we always had an executive sponsor for the technologies that we were purchasing. And I think that's really important. But I think more importantly, top-down buy-in, yes, that is really, really important. But I, I think field being part of the solution, or at least being a part of the problem statement, really helps them feel like, A, they were listened to, and then B, action was taken with any sort of field disruption or dissatisfaction what technologies they might be leveraging or whatever problem statements out there. This episode is brought to you by Kylo Partners. Kylo are your Bullhorn specialist and Bullhorn's first implementation partner. Our solutions have helped over 950 companies worldwide to streamline, automate, customize, and get more out of Bullhorn. Our products provide you with tremendous ROI, including Kylo Awesome Docs, the complete document management system right in Bullhorn, and the most powerful data management tool in the ecosystem, Kylo Data Tools. To learn more, visit kylopartners.com. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Our firm focuses on three areas of opportunity as it pertains to technology in our industry. First is expeditious acquisition of technology, helping you make quick decisions and good investments for the betterment of your organization. The second is business process change management and adoption. And then finally, evangelization of your new differentiators of your digital transformation. Call Leap Consulting Solutions today. What's up, guys? It's Rob. Thank you for joining the You Own the Experience podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to have a technology expert and a staffing veteran, Miss Lauren Jones. Lauren, how's it going? I'm super. How are you? I cannot complain. Lauren is the founder of Leap Consulting, which is a consulting agency for the staffing world. And today, we're going to have a special episode. Normally, we focus on the people experience, but today, we're actually going to focus on something near to dear to Lauren's heart, which is mindful implementation of technology, which as someone who has worked at Bullhorn and at Hearfish and now at EmployeeStream, implementing and adopting technology is usually what staffing firms are the worst at. So I am really happy to have someone talk about how to do this in a way that's going to create buy-in and use of that technology because I personally don't like selling things that people don't use. So Lauren, give us a quick two-minute pitch on yourself, your background, and leap, and then we can get into mindful implementation. Thank you so much for the great introduction. Leap Consulting Solutions, which a lot of people ask what the Leap is about. It's Lauren, Emily, Allison, Peter. That's my whole family. And our farm is called Leaping Farm. But Leap Consulting Solutions, I'm a 22-year veteran. I've spent almost the last decade completely and totally immersed and obsessed with HR tech, the tech and tech stack, how to do it right and how to maintain the humanity of our industry while still mindfully using this technology. And Leap Consulting, we have three pillars. It's creating efficiencies with your current staff. So are you utilizing getting every morsel of efficiency out of what you currently have or developing a tech stack, new tech stack with an architectural roadmap and timeline to build out sort of your technical utopia? Our third pillar is adoption because you can buy all the beautiful technology in the world but if your employees aren't adopting it and using it appropriately, then, you know, you've just bought some pretty jewelry, really. And so consulting is focused on those three pillars. So the first one is creating efficiencies with your current tech stack. The second one is creating or developing a new tech stack with an architectural roadmap and timeline 
to sort of build out your final utopia. And then the third is, is the adopt and the mindful implementation. I think those two are sort of hand in hand. You mindfully implement, then you're going to have good adoption. Got it. What is mindful implementation and how do those second and third pillars tie together? Because I mean, obviously the first one is kind of like the extenuation of two and three, right? You, you buy mindfully, you architecture it mindfully, and then you adopt it. And then obviously once you have technology adopted, usually what you have efficiently usually kind of comes into it. And then using what you bought efficiently long-term is part of it. So how do two and three really kind of drive or how are they driven? And what advice, both long-term and short-term, can you give to staffing firms? Sure. I think starting with the end in mind when you're building a tech stack, you know, what is it that you want to accomplish? Sort of take price tags out of it because I think you look at it with bias. People have heard me say that before and I think every CFO looks at me sideways. But I think if you start with the end in mind, you're going to be able to work it backwards in a really organized and pragmatic way. And that will relate right back to adoption and again, implementation. So, you know, I say proper planning prevents poor performance. So if you can plan with the end in mind and then work it backwards, you will have all of the resources to do this the right way. So start at the end in mind, what the end goal is. And maybe some people don't know, I worked at a staffing firm that they did everything manually. It was just very, very brute force and not sophisticated and technical. And I know you and kind of your tech stack for the last couple of years is very, not sophisticated in a complicated way, but just sophisticated and, and proven. But one of the reasons why I was super excited to have you on is that everything that you say, you've backed up with some kind of data or some data point, you know, whether it's numbers or efficiencies, et cetera, like kind of all tracking back. What does that mean? Maybe help people understand what that means in terms of technology and how to use it, right? Because they may not know what the end goal is, you know? So what are some key end goals maybe or end goals that you could point out to people? It's just as simple as creating a problem statement, you know? So if it's that you still have paper forms and you have, you know, 45 emails with one singular form going back and forth, that in and of itself is a problem statement. So the way that I've worked our tech stack is I, I really looked at where the field was challenged and worked with them to really listen. So I think going out and doing sort of a needs assessment of your field, and if you're not buying on behalf of your field, the frontline individuals, then I think you're doing a disservice to the organization as a whole. So what I did and what I've done is I'll go out and I'll really do sort of a customer needs assessment of, you know, your world. And that helps you sort of immediately come up with a few problem statements. And then internally and operationally, I think that inefficiencies can be pretty glaring. But if they're not, it's really asking you, or if you had your druthers, what would you automate? If the world was perfect, how would the scenario change? Those are your problem statements. And then you match the technology to answer those problem statements and then work implementation backwards from there. And I say work backwards because in many cases, you have overlap between two technologies. Then they don't have to be in conflict, but it's identifying it early and often and getting those two technologies together so that you have a seamless, seamlessly integrated and implemented solution. Thank you for that. I think that says a lot too, right? So you started from the, the front line and worked backwards to how it's going to affect everyone. And maybe this is also part of my implementation too, is I was just reading a blog post that you were interviewed for, and you were talking about buy-in, how buy-in should come from the front line as well as the C-level or the director level. Is that part of the mindful implementation piece as well? 
Absolutely. The reason that I like to start in the field, you know, and I'll give you a, a previous example that I had. So I have, you know, from view to apply, I had the 70% drop off and recruiters were seeing it with the lack of applications. So it made me shake my head in frustration. What technology is out there to answer that? So I partnered with Flash Recruit, right? To add a chat functionality. And we cut that fall off in half, right? So really understanding from the field and then developing a strategy with the partnering technology from there is super, super important. And then from an implementation perspective, because you listen to the field A, they feel some buy-in because they raised their hand and said, Houston, we have a problem and we listen. But then it's familiarity. I think one of the best things you can do is sort of when you're doing implementation, have a marketing code of paint be sort of step one. So that you can go out and visualize the brands that you're going to partner with, get some buy-in, get some brand awareness, because people thrive when they know what's going to happen next. Change can be scary, but I think if you can give a step-by-step -step guide of this is what's happening next, that fear doesn't take over. Because when that fear takes over, you have lack of adoption because people aren't going to change their ways. And so if you can begin your mindful implementation with getting as much field input as you can, because they're going to feel a part of the solution and then helping educate them on what's happening next and what's going to be implemented, you're going to have far better adoption than if you had just sprung it on them and said, okay, guys, this is what we're doing with no why. I mean, Simon's next start with why really, really rings true when you're talking about change management as it pertains to the technology that's going to help them make money. Got it. And then just to confirm, you, you put a marketing coat of paint on the internal cell. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. I just want to be clear. That was the one question I did have. Everything else was great and makes complete sense. And I agree. Selling bullhorn, you know, one of the things or selling anything really, but selling bullhorn, talking to people who didn't adopt it well. So I used bullhorn. I had a trainer and if it didn't happen at bullhorn, you didn't get paid. So literally I knew that I need to use the system from the beginning, but they also enabled me on it. And it kind of had a marketing code of paint because it was always, you know, the next technology we adopted was always about making the process better. And we were educated about it. We didn't get buying on the front end. Like we didn't, like you're saying, like let the recruiters be a part of identifying the problem. Like we were telling them the problem and then they were like, here's the solution we decided on. Here's why they enabled us on it. And then they followed up on that enablement and it worked really well. Like we were, I think the company, I think Mint Physicians, drop the name, is was a really great adopter of technology. And because we had training and we had enablement, it was top down too, right? So is that part of the, the process too of adoption is like getting the buy-in from the top and making sure that they're talking about it as part of that marketing code of paint? Well, absolutely. I think anytime you're going to make an investment in technology that, you know, you have some top-down doors. We always had an executive sponsor for the technologies that we were purchasing. And I think that's really important. But I think more importantly, top-down buy-in, yes, that is really, really important. But I, I think field being part of the solution or at least being a part of the problem statement really helps them feel like A, they were listened to, and then B, action was taken with any sort of field disruption or dissatisfaction, what technologies they might be leveraging or whatever problem statements out there. I definitely understand that to be listened to. Alan. I won't go into my story, but uh, I'd left a job for not being listened to and it paid well. And the problem that existed still exists. So who knew three years, four years later. There's going to be leaders out there that don't listen. And they think that they'll ultimately pay the turnover consequences because not feeling heard is a huge part of why there is internal turnover. You know, people don't leave companies, they leave leaders. And it's typically those leaders that aren't acknowledging. And that's, you know, mindful implementation is about hearing your field and taking action on their behalf. 
Anything else that we need to know about your mindful implementation process? I mean, I feel like we got a lot of great information already, but happy to keep going down this path. I think you've got plan your work and work your plan with mindful implementation. And that plan should include an internal marketing code of paint to help educate the field on what's coming next. And then I think that you have to have not only a technical roadmap, but you also have to have a roadmap for how you're going to continue to expand the usage of a tool, right? So getting the most and creating efficiencies out of the tools that you already have, that is absolutely the bookend of the mindful implementation. Because we all know when we roll out our implemented technology, we're not going to boil the ocean, we're not going to leverage every possibility right out of the gate. So I think you need to have an implementation plan that has slow, methodical growth of leveraging every efficiency that the tool has to offer. That's sort of the bookend and tying the bow around mindful implementation is ensuring that you also have a plan for the growth of the tool. Any IT group that doesn't have system upgrades as a part of their annual roadmap is doing themselves a disservice. So you want to make sure that you have that in your mindful implementation roadmap. That makes sense, right? You know, you're taught to sell software. You're taught really to sell to like the main one or two problems. Like don't try and solve everything up front. But it also works because you can't implement everything up front. So if your tool does 100 things, you know, you can sell three of them and that's going to solve a ton of the pain that gets the sale across. And then you're going to go and work from there and create efficiencies and make sure that people are aware and educate your customer on what's available. And then they can make the decision on what they want to do next in their roadmap, which is important to have. I think that's really understated. I think that's a very valuable comment or fact to have a plan of how you're going to use technology or on a yearly basis to work that plan and, and update it to what you're seeing in the field, and then what you're seeing from the technology providers, what they're doing and how you can better use that. Now all the core principles of Leap are coming, you know, full circle and making sense, right? Absolutely. And I've experienced quite often where an organization will buy a technology with no expectation of upkeeping it. I think that you don't just buy it once, you buy it and then you continue to grow it. And I think if you can start with the, start with the lowest hanging fruit of efficiencies that you want to leverage from each of the technologies, Start with the lowest hanging fruit, whether it's, you know, going paperless, which is going to create, you know, this efficiency, this efficiency, and be able to, I love to redirect headcount to revenue generating activities, you know, where before they might've been doing administrative activities. So I think if you can look at it that way, where do I have the lowest hanging fruit to create efficiencies within the organization? It prioritizes from there. You'll have a beautiful roadmap. I agree hundred percent. Just to reiterate, because this is important too. What Laura was saying was you can automate or figure out efficiencies that are going to let the people that you employed generate revenue. So maybe they're administrative and maybe they can be more customer service facing or they can have time to be more customer service facing because creating an incredible experience for your candidates, your internal staff, or this is really what this podcast is about, is using technology to let them be people, which we're good at talking to other people and building relationships. So those are the revenue generating activities you're talking about. I'm guessing, right? More than guessing. I'm kind of assuming, right? Absolutely. And for example, you know, implementing employee streams for me meant that I could take roughly 50 headcount and put it towards revenue generating activities as opposed to sort of paper processing or application processing. So if you can create those types of efficiencies with the technologies that you engage with or implement, you have the opportunity to grow your revenue exponentially. Got it. Thank you for selling employee stream for us. Andre, who's Andre Maletti, is the VP of Enterprise Staff or Solutions here at Employee Stream. Wanted to ask if he was the best technology solutionist that you know. Hands down, one of the best solution providers I've worked with 
And I'm not just saying that. I've purchased Employee Stream now twice in two different instances. I buy it for a reason. And that's because there are good solutions, people, and good support that come with what is, you know, typically an uphill climb with implementation. And this doesn't need to be about Employee Stream, so, but he did mention that to me before I jumped on with you. So. I figured I would bust his chops a little bit. By the way, Andre does not need a bigger head, but he's a great technology solutionist. So anyway, moving on. We talked about my full implementation. That was amazing, really powerful stuff. How do you use technology to improve the candidate experience? What softwares are you seeing? What are you seeing for the future of staffing? Kind of bundle all that up and talk about that. I'll say this carefully. We are an industry based on relationships. We're $160 billion sort of middleman industry. Each one of us sells our own individual relationships in our levels of service. In many cases, those are our differentiators. But what I want to continue to evangelize is this message of thoughtful and mindful usage and implementation of automation, bots, so on and so forth. I think we have to be extremely mindful of first impressions, that when there's a job seeker out there looking for a job, it's not easy. You're looking for acceptance. You're looking for someone to say yes to you. And I think we have to be very, very cognizant of the feelings that people have when they're looking for work and make sure that we put technology or it's some sort of UI in front of them that is acknowledging that. So any technology where I am creating a connection of human to human faster is typically where you're going to find me buying. I'm super excited about working, which is, you know, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth there because that's self-fulfillment, but I think they found a, a thoughtful way of introducing it post-apply. And so it's all about setting expectations, right? But I think tools like Flash Recruit, where you're able to create a chat functionality on a job posting. So you've got two people talking faster and creating connectivity faster are going to be things that I get excited about. 3D IQ is another one that I'm super geeked on because this is all about getting immediate feedback. And as a recruiter, having sat at a desk, getting feedback was like half the battle. Like you should wait, wait, you're sitting there washing paint dry. So any tool where there is the opportunity to either serve the candidate faster, work with the customer in a more expeditious fashion, or create human-to-human connectivity faster, better, stronger. Those are the things that I get excited about. And I think self-fulfillment, right? We have to provide what I call experiential choices so that regardless of what generation you're trying to attract, you're answering whatever medium they're comfortable engaging with. So I think as long as you're mindful of that and you create a suite around that sort of flexibility, again, those are the things that I get excited about. Got it. So people-to-people faster, love that. That's kind of the main goal of all of it, right? It's people to people faster and kind of removing all the manual tasks that are going to get in the way of that. Anything that you see in the future of staffing, that kind of answers the same question, but anything more specific, future state that you're thinking of or seeing? Checker excites me because, and I know, I know uh, that sounds really weird. Background checks excite. It's not, not something that's normally been this sexy, but what I'm excited about is we're starting to ask to the question of how many times are we going to do these tasks? What I'm excited about is removing redundancies. I think that there are a number of technologies that are going to help us remove redundancies, which is going to get somebody working. The whole point of all of this is to get butts and seats faster. And so any technology that allows us to do that, whether it's a background check or an integrated technology with your bullhorn suite or some sort of functionality on the front end, what excites me are technologies, again, that are reinforcing human to human connectivity. I've given a a myriad of examples of 
the tools out there that I'm excited about. And the future for staffing, I think, again, the message I want to evangelize is mindful and thoughtful buying, purchasing, and implementation of technology. I think we have to be careful because if generational experts are saying that the Gen Zs like a little bit more hand-folding. So I think we have to be careful not to let bots take over the world. We have to be mindful of every sort of experiential choice in preparation for future generations. I 100% agree. I think I've said this multiple times already on this podcast, but if I'm calling you or reaching out to you directly as a company, it's because I've already tried once to solve the problem, maybe very quickly, but I, I couldn't figure it out. And now I just need someone to hold my hand to solve it. Done a little bit of research or done a lot of research and still can't figure it out. And now I need you to solve it for me because you have direct access to what I need. I guess I'll never get tired of saying that and I'll just keep saying it every time. Me too. Whatever soapbox somebody will give me to stand atop. But, you know, I will continue to try and evangelize the message of being thoughtful. I think that there's a lot of bye, 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 bye going on right now. And we have to be careful that this is the most human thing somebody can do outside of going to the doctor. Yeah, recruiting for sure. Definitely. Powerful. You're helping someone change someone's life. You're helping someone find employment, which is a paycheck, which is meant to improve people's lives. And again, we're recording this during the, not really the beginning, but maybe the end of phase one of the scare of the coronavirus, right? So that's going to change the way things work and, and things are going to be agile and you got to be mindful and thoughtful about what we do to, to improve it. But at the end of the day, it's all about that same thing. It's like, can you mindfully and thoughtfully adapt and with agility come through, right? I think that's what you're promoting for buying technology. If I can kind of put words in your mouth there. You took them out of my mouth. That's exactly what it is. Lord, this has been great. How can people find you? Yes, well, you can go to my website, leaveconsultingsolutions.com, or you can email me at lauren at leaveconsultingsolutions.com. So it's a little bit of a mouthful, but you know how it is. You want to get it out there. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, I like that Leap is the names of your family members. It's even pretty powerful. I didn't know that you had a farm, so that was pretty cool. Are you guys growing anything or what is the purpose of the farm? Just so I know. I have a blog. It's goatleadership.com. Yes. Also on Leave Consulting. And you can read all about my midlife crisis and my purchasing of a farm there. I was really sick and tired of life and left my sort of tick-tack world for a simplified life. Got it. I'm going to go on the website and learn about the goat farm now. I'm pretty excited. Lauren, thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It was great. I appreciate it, Lauren. And then if you guys need to learn how to think about mindfully implement or buy software and how it applies to the staffing space. Lauren is my go-to, so I think she could definitely be yours. All right, thank you again, Lauren. So signing off, this is Rob. And I'm Lauren. Now go do something good. Thanks guys.